This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online, and just before, just as the intro was playing, before I, I put the microphone up, I dropped my pen, and it rolled under the couch I'm on, and I feel naked without it. So when I get to the first break, I'll, I'll retrieve the pen, but if I sound a little uncomfortable, you'll know why. It's because it's I'm you know, without my pen in my hand, it's 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 going to be weird. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say anything, but I, I felt that you should know because sometimes it's I, I just feel weird doing the show without my pen in my hand. Okay. Anyway, um, I will I will forge ahead. I also feel a little bit weird today in that because I got the second dose of the shingles vaccine uh, yesterday. Uh, three in the afternoon or so, I made an appointment to head on over to the clinic and meet with a nurse, and she she gave me the shot. Um, now, she did offer to give me the flu vaccine at the same time, but I remembered the first dosage I got of, uh, uh, of this vaccination, of the shingles, and the for the for a couple of days after getting that, I felt fluish. I may have mentioned it at the time. It's been maybe three months, three to four months or something since I got the first dose. It's somewhere around there. They they tell you that you should get the second dose within two to six months. So I'm within the window. Anyway, uh, I thought I don't know. Am I chancing it uh, by getting the flu one at the same time? I figured I can just go in next week sometime and get the flu vaccine which I will do and I wanted to, I'm demonstrating to you by talking about this that I not only talk the talk but, you know supporting vaccination and saying that you should go out there and get your kids vaccinated you should get yourself vaccinated keep up keep up to date on your vaccinations and all that kind of stuff not only do I tell you to do such a thing I walk the walk I actually get my vaccines my son's had all his vaccinations he's current so uh, at this point my wife gets her vaccinations and they'll be getting the flu vaccination pretty soon and so will i so it's it's important to do that uh i mentioned it on the facebook that i'd be getting the second dose i said are you guys envious and uh, that's the right word envious I, I believe jealous is when it's you're you have something uh, like you're in a relationship and you're jealous of your partner having attention shown to them by someone else. You're jealous. When you're envious, it's that someone else has something that you don't have. 
So I had the second dose of the of the vac of the shingles vaccination, and if you didn't, I was I'm suspecting that you're probably envious of me. <laughs> now, um, I did get into discussion on Facebook uh, from that. Now, again, I. I before I talk about the discussion, I did get a bit fluish. I'm I'm feeling it now, and I, I had to work tonight cleaning a building, and it was you know, my day job. I just kind of sit around most of the day, so it's it's not really heavy exertion. But you know, for two and a half hours, whatever it was, I was cleaning a building, so I'm pushing a cart around, I'm picking stuff up, I'm va vacuuming for 20 minutes or 30 minutes of that, and it's uh, <laughs> I was drained when I got done. So. Um, and now I don't have a pen in my hand, Ugh. but again, I'll persevere. I would rather feel a little bit fluish for a couple of days and have a sore arm. This, the sore shoulder where the shot got in, it, you know, your shoulder it varies from person to person. Some people don't get the uh, don't get the fluish symptoms. Um, some people don't really get much of a soreness in their arm, but. Uh, with the with the flu vaccine, I get a little bit of a soreness. I might get a little feverish later in that day after getting the, the flu shot, but um, not not so bad. It's not so bad, and the sore shoulder isn't so bad. It doesn't last that long. But with the the shingles, one I've noticed that the sore shoulder lasts a couple days longer than than it does with the flu shot. Okay, whatever. I'd rather have that than have shingles. Uh, and so then the discussion. We talked about it on the Facebook, and one person came in and just said, well, why get the shots? Why do that? And I said, well, I don't want to get shingles. And uh, they asked, well, yeah, but they wanted some clarification. They wanted to know more. And they said, please don't be rude to me. I, I really do want to know. And so I wasn't rude to them. They were just kind of confused. And I said, well, I, I get it. I get it. Um, I said, um, I, I had chicken pox when I was a kid. And if you've had chicken pox, the shingles virus is in you. I may have explained this before, but why not again? So the shingle virus is in you, and as you get older, the chances get better that you're going to have a shingles outbreak. It's just that's as you get older. Um, I was seeing people talk about they had shingles when they were in their 40s and their 30s, and that's just, eww. yeah, that's 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 fairly young. But their systems are their systems, you know, that their body works differently than others, uh, and. You know, but the, the the information I was finding from you know the medical outlets, uh, mainly the uh, the Mayo Clinic, their website, um, essentially says you know as you get older, it's more possible to get a shingles outbreak. So you know, it, it, the the insurance companies have lowered the the age that they cover for uh, vaccinations. Uh, I don't know if it's all insurance companies, but it's been lowered from 60 to 50 now. And I'm I'm in my mid 50s. Uh, I'll be 55 in uh, in November. Astrology astrologers put your charts away. And yes, I have looked into the senior discount. I have, but um, I don't want to chance it. My mother has had shingles outbreaks three times. Uh, I have my sister-in-law, who is not blood related to me obviously but she's about my age she's had a pretty nasty outbreak of uh, shingles so I'd rather not deal with that it's painful and it's awful but the thing is if you haven't had chicken pox well then you don't have the shingles virus in you 
But if you haven't been vaccinated for chicken pox, you might want to consider doing that. Because what can happen is if you're exposed to a person with shingles and you come in contact, you know, like you touch their arm and there's a sore on it and and you you know you can you come in contact with a with an open shingles sore you can get infected but you won't get shingles you will get chicken pox if you haven't had chicken pox before if you haven't been vaccinated for chicken pox chances are you'll get chicken pox and then you'll have the virus in your system that will at at some point possibly become as you get older uh, you will have a shingles outbreak so if you have not been vaccinated for chicken pox, I would recommend doing so. Uh, and uh, you know, especially if you, you know, if you haven't been, if you haven't had chicken pox, you could get it from somebody with shingles. So that's that's what I learned that the shingles, it, you can't give shingles to another person. It's not contagious. If that person has had chicken pox in their youth, or they've been vaccinated against chicken pox, you can't you can't give them shingles. So, I mean, sort of indirectly, you can give it to somebody who hasn't been vaccinated against chickenpox and hasn't had it. Indirectly, you could, but you'll directly, you'll more likely get, give them the chickenpox, and then later on, they could have shingles. It's a weird kind of virus thing, I guess. It seems strange. But again, I would rather go through this discomfort that I'm having right now. <laughs> so I'm having, and I've been taking some Tylenol. And trying to keep it together, but I'd rather go through a couple of days of that than uh, have to deal with shingles, and, and especially if, you know, because it can cause you some real serious problems. I mean, if you get it on your face, you can get it in your eyes, I think, and it's just it's nasty stuff. It could cause real serious problems, along with just you know, more than just pain. I mean, it can give you serious problems. And I didn't look up the real serious problems, but it could. So there you go. Last Sunday. Uh, we were having a family evening at home. Uh, Amy was watching something on Netflix, a true crime show or something. I was watching a ball game on the laptop with the headphones on, and Hayden was upstairs on his computer doing some online game with friends. You know, they, they can do that, and they chat with each other while they're playing the games. And, uh, and, and the power went out. And it was one of those teasing you power outages just a little tease at the beginning because what happened was all the lights go out and they stay out just for a second or two long enough for you to start thinking oh crap the power's gone out and then they go back on and they stayed on just long enough for you to say to yourself oh good the power's back on and then they went out again <laughs> and then they were out and this was about I don't know, 10 minutes to 9 in the evening or at night, however you want to look at it. And we said, oh, great. Now what are we going to do? So, well, we initially did, uh, the first thing we did was we went outside. We went outside to see how extensive it was. If we looked down the blocks and see if the lights were out. And it looked, I mean, it looked like the whole neighborhood. The only lights we saw were car lights, you know, passing vehicles, or those... Um, those uh, lights that people put out in their gardens or along their sidewalks that uh, they charge up during the day with the sun and then at night they come on and, you know so those are the only lights that that we saw uh, and 
it seemed like you'd look down to the busy street that's a, a couple blocks away from us to see if there's any street lights or anything. Couldn't see anything. My neighbor from across the street called and just to see if the lights were out for us. And, oh yeah, power's out. Looks like it's pretty dark. It's kind of weird. It's a little creepy. You go outside and it's, you know, you, you don't see lights. <laughs> and it's just the silhouette of trees against the sky and you know, saw a few more stars, not not considerably more, but a few, and saw a plane flying by. But it was just oh, okay. This is interesting. Great, but it was weird in that there was no storm, no high winds, no you know abundant amounts of lightning strikes. There wasn't you know there was nothing, no storm or anything like that. It was not an extremely hot and humid day. So, you know, it, there was, people weren't overtaxing the system with their air conditioning. So it was, why is the power going out? Well, it's possible a squirrel got in some transformer and it blew up or something, or maybe, but uh, who knows? I don't know. And so we, we come back in the house and we light some candles and uh, we get the little, these, these little battery-powered lamps that we have. And Amy had, uh, our cell phones are still working for the, with the cellular stuff, but we've lost Wi-Fi. And so uh, Amy calls Excel Energy, that's our energy company, uh, to report the outage. And um, she got an automated system thing, and she puts in her zip code or whatever, and, and, the, and the message says they are aware that there's a power outage. And, uh, you know, the estimate of getting the power back on would be midnight. So I said, yeah, three hours without power. Okay, well, all right. And and she set it up so that, she, that Amy set it up so that she would get uh, an, uh, a call if more information became available. They, they, they have that option. So we're sitting in the living room. Um, now, I'm not sure I remember the chronology of every item that I'm going to talk about exactly when it happened, but... Uh, at some point in there, I, uh, Hayden says, he's on his, his uh, you know, computation, communication handheld awesome device. He's, he's on that thing, and he's, uh, he's, he's texting to one of the guys that he was playing the video game with, and this person is in Tennessee, and they said the power just went out there. And he tells us this. And then, so the wheels start turning in my head. It's as, it's, it's as extensive a power outage as I've seen. And somebody in Tennessee had the power go at the same time? Now, it could be coincidence. It could be. But, hmm. So I call my dad. My dad lives a mile away. There's been times when we've lost power, and I usually call my dad and just say, Dad, do you have power? You got it over there? Or if Mom answers, ask her the same question. Uh, just to see, get an idea how far it goes. They live a mile away from us. And I call my dad, and he says, Yep. Power's out, and he says, as far as he could tell, it's out. As you know, as far as he can see. So great. <laughs> so now we got it's out a mile away. That's never happened before. It's out in Tennessee. Um, what's going on? I'm starting to have thoughts. Thoughts of uh, you know, did something big happen? And uh, so. Um, I called my older brother. He lives in Minneapolis. You have power? Yeah. Oh, started to relax. And uh, 
you know, it's kind of weird. It's, you know, to go over the whole weird thing about the, you know, the weather doesn't seem like it, you know, caused an outage or, you know, it's not hot, it's not anything like that. So I get off the phone with my older brother, and, and at some point then, Hayden says, oh, uh, my friend was just kidding. So the power didn't go out over there in Tennessee. So I breathe a sigh of relief. And so we're sitting here in the candlelight, and uh, we begin talking about stuff. Uh, and at about quarter to ten, uh, well, let's see, before that, uh, Amy got a phone call from the energy company saying that uh, they expect the, you know, now they expect the power to be restored by 10.30. Well, that's not so bad. So at about quarter to ten, the power came back on. And so we called my dad. You got power back? Yep, got power back. Okay, so that's great. Uh, but that got me thinking. That moment that I had there, I didn't give the details of my moment I was having. The thing I was thinking, what if it's something bigger? On a recent episode of the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe, they talked about the Carrington event, which I guess took place in 1859, and that was uh, a solar flare that uh, affected the Earth. And whatever, I'm not sure what kind of electrical systems they had in 1859, but if it, would, if it had happened today, it would be very damaging to our electrical systems. Very damaging to our power grids. And, you know, it's just very, very bad. It'd be bad. And I guess in 2012, there was another uh, similar solar flare event, but it missed the Earth by about nine days. So wherever we were in our, in our orbit of the sun, if it had happened nine days earlier, it would have engulfed the Earth. So, uh, <laughs> and that would have, you know, 2012, that certainly would have caused big problems. And I got to thinking, if, if you know, what if something like that had happened? Well, the plane was still flying. I don't know if that would be knocked out of the air because of electrical problems. I don't know. Uh, but and I got thinking, you know, suppose, you know, a terrorist act. Somehow they knock out a power grid, you know, the power grids of uh, several cities across the country. What would that do? How would we survive? What would, you know, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's, it, I got to sit there thinking because we really are dependent on our electronics. I mean, I have not had this little handheld thing for very long, and now I'm finding myself, you know, checking it out constantly, checking what's the, how the twins doing, or go, looking on Facebook on it, or playing cribbage. Or, you know, I'm just I find myself, you know, this is in my hand and it's with me all the time. Now my flip phone was with me quite frequently; it was in my pocket, but I couldn't do anything on that damn thing. Oh, sure, there were some games on it in that, but pff, come on. But, uh, yeah, it's a uh, wonder. I wonder how we'd handle such a thing. I wonder. Well, I wonder how you'll handle this break that I'm going to. Uh, I am going to my first break, and I'll be able to fish that pen out from the, uh, underneath the couch, and I, I won't feel so naked when we come back. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. Where's that? Those other guys. The finger. 
You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. Listen to Z Talk Radio on ztalkradio.com. And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I got my pen back. Ah, uh, feels so much better. Boy, it was not easy to get at it either. It's kind of under there a bit. I had to stretch. I'm not, you know, I'm not built for being on floors anymore. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just hurts. Everything hurts. It's, 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 it's painful getting older. It's just like everything hurts. My knees hurt. My hips hurt. My back hurts. It's just everything hurts, um, especially you know from the lower back down. It's just damn stuff hurts. And now my shoulders bother me. Oh man, I'm falling apart. That's what my uh, my uh, nurse practitioner said when I uh, had my physical last year, which uh, coming up on my next physical because I have them near my birthday, which is in November. Astrologers, put your charts away. I don't want you figuring out stuff because it's just crap anyway. It's just bullshit. Sorry, it just is. Anyway, let's look at some stuff that's in the news, some skeptical stuff in the news, just some recent things. Uh, there was a uh, another um, study of sorts done with the Loch Ness looking for, well, they weren't specifically looking for the, the Loch Ness monster. They weren't specifically looking for Nessie. They were just test you know checking this method to see if they could uh, ascertain the kind of life forms that populate that lake lock whatever and what they, they what they do is they take samples of the water scientists take samples of the water and they find all the DNA traces leavings whatnot within that water and they trace out which which life forms are these? Which animals are these? And so they can identify what's in the lock. Now, there's been other uh, you know, scientific surveys of the lake. They've used sonar. They've you know just to just to see what they could see under the water using sonar. And they've you know, they, never has a monster been found. Uh, the, the monster. It, or the legend, as far as you know, we think of it today, 
uh, came to be known to the world in 1934. And that's when that one photograph came to everyone's attention. Uh, they call it the surgeon's photograph. And you know the one. You've seen it. It's uh, black and white, high contrast, grainy. Uh, it shows this, you know, this, this black neck and a little head kind of sticking up out of the water. There's no details. It's, you know, it's close enough to the camera to be tantalizing, but it's far enough away to give you no details. And I have seen, you know, the, the picture that we all think of is a cropped image. I've seen the uncropped image, and it, it makes the object, whatever that is, in the water look smaller. But it, it came out, it got in the newspaper, and all these stories started to come up about sightings. And then, of course, there was an old legend that goes, like, I think, 600 years back to St. Columba, who apparently stopped some beast of the lake from attacking somebody by invoking God's name or whatever. And, but there really hasn't been this kind of legend around it. And so what's happened in the 80-plus years since, since that photograph became uh, came to the world's attention is a whole tourist industry has built in the towns and the areas around Loch Ness. Now I'm not going to try and pronounce any of the names of them because it's 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 not going to be easy. So it's in the interest of the people who live around there to keep this legend a possibility. So when these damn scientists come along <laughs> and do this latest one where they took uh, something like more than 250 samples of the water and they tested it out, and they found all kinds of wildlife. It seemed like they found, uh, well, it didn't seem like, what they found was an awful lot of eels in there, an awful lot of eels in that lake, uh, lock. And uh, the, the largest European eel that's been found was, was like six feet long. It's possible, they, there's a speculation in this live science article, that, or at least a, there's a graphic, that they show up, an infographic, that they show that it's maybe outside chance that it could get to 12 feet long, so maybe maybe it's an eel that these people have seen. But, uh, and, that's, and that led to, you know, the lazy journalists, the lazy journalism around the world where they, they, they hear that uh, there's a lot of eel DNA in the lake, so, oh, well, Nessie's probably an eel. Well, they're not saying it. They're just saying there's nothing here in the lake, in the lock, that that indicates that it's some prehistoric reptile, like a plesiosaur. Uh, um, it's not, and there's nothing in there that, or that shows it's some kind of unknown creature. You know, there's there's everything that they found is oh, that's this kind of creature, that's this kind of you know, it's this fish, it's that, and you know, the, but the news media. Starts doing these stories. Could Nessie be an eel? Well, it could be. Or it could be a misidentified wave, a misidentified log, a misidentified uh, uh, group of otters swimming in a line. You know, when otters swim in a line, they, they undulate up and down. And I think Loch Ness can have otters in it. Uh, it could it could be a misidentified sturgeon, could be a misidentified seal. And now you see, I keep saying misidentified because that's what people do. <laughs> they don't know what they're looking at, and they jump to the legend of the lake, and when it's probably something 
that's just natural and you just they just don't know what they're seeing because you know you don't know what you saw now there could be hoaxes that surgeon's photo has been you know a person that was involved in the in, in getting that picture taken uh, has said that it was a hoax it was a little toy submarine with some sort of a neck and head built out of clay or something on it and they would put it out in the water and took pictures of it and the best picture they submitted to whichever tabloid newspaper they submitted it to and it became what it became okay if you take the person at their word that was a hoax you know it might have been i i could have been a log i don't know i don't know what it was but it seems pretty clear that there's no big creature in there is it an eel that people are seeing maybe is it a log? Is it a wave? Is it something, you know, it's, it could be any of those things. But it seems pretty unlikely that it's some large creature living in that lake that's been, you know, like a, a plesiosaur. It seems unlikely. So that's that was in the news recently. Another thing that was in the news, this uh, Storm Area 51. I haven't mentioned it on these shows, but uh, some, some fella took to Facebook and, and put up this page about Storm Area 51. And he said he was just kidding he didn't think it was going to become something and then about two million people signed up to the page to saying that they were going and that started to raise eyebrows oh wait a minute you know if people start showing up at a military base and attempt to storm it that could be trouble <laughs> it's a military base they have weapons and if they don't want you in there and then uh, the idea was changed to let's let's make it uh, some sort of a concert. Let's book some bands, and we'll call it Alien Stock, and we'll do that. But then it quickly became obvious that they're not going to be able to accommodate huge numbers of people. I mean, who knows how many people would have shown up? There's a little town near there that's called uh, a town called Rachel that has something like. 54 people that live there there's no gas station for 50 miles it's there's no facilities people would have to camp out in the desert and that but it's just it'd be well i will be talking about woodstock in a little bit uh it, it, that's that was the plan but then that got called off because they realized ah oh, that ain't gonna work well today as i record this it's is september 29 september 20th 2019 and this was the day. This is the day that the people are going to get there. And people did show up. Uh, I'm not sure how many. Hundreds? Maybe thousands? I don't know. I, I couldn't... You know, there's pictures that have shown up on Facebook where there's one picture in particular that looks like there's uh, uh, some hundreds of people in that picture. Maybe a thousand? I don't, it's hard for me to estimate. So people did show up. And they had some news bits on uh, CNN or something where they're talking to um, one of the people that... Uh, showed up at the at the event and he said you know no we're not going to storm it which you know that's not we're just going to hang out and you know tell stories share stories and our it's like-minded people about the ufo thing and you know, you know just kind of enjoy the moment and have a little fun with this that's what we're going to do so i gotta close the door the wind blew it open uh, i think the kitty's on the porch but uh, she's not or she's upstairs i don't know anyway um so uh, if you're interested in just how crazy this could have been, uh, I suggest you listen to Squaring the Strange. They did an episode where they talk about, uh, you know, part of the episode they talk about alien stock and about how much, you know, just how difficult the logistics would have been to accommodate this kind of thing. 
So, uh, speaking of Woodstock, which I was, and I did mention, do I have time? I hope I have time. Yeah, I got time to get to this. Uh, let's see, when do I have to stop doing this show? Oh, right there. Ah, sorry, just looking at my notes and, and all that. Uh, it's meme, in the meantime. How's that for in the meme time? Get it? In the meme? Anyway, um, a, a, a Facebook friend, person I went to high school with, uh, that, a Trump supporter, and a conservative, and a, and a needler of uh, liberals, uh, posted a, a, a meme on their page. And uh, what it is, it's a, it's a photograph of uh, uh, rock legend Jimi Hendrix performing at uh, Woodstock. And uh, we all, you know, you, you, if you know about Woodstock, you know about Jimi Hendrix, you know that he got out there and uh, he, in the early morning hours, he starts playing the national anthem in the Jimi Hendrix way on guitar and just this wild sounding national anthem, the American national anthem. And it's it's really something. It's uh, it was it was uh, prominently featured in the movie, which made the event even bigger than the event. You know, made it worldwide. It was a huge event. There is a documentary uh, that's streamable on the Netflix. I think it's an American Experience documentary, which is uh, PBS Public Television. Um, it's about Woodstock, and it's about how it got set up. And the troubles that they had, you know, they they had one area picked, and they were starting to work on it. But then the town that was near it uh, said, "No, you can't do it." They 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 wouldn't let them. And that's when yes, that farmer Yasger said, "Hey, you can use my you can use my farm." And so they went and checked it out. So, ooh, this would be perfect. And they got it set up, and they started selling selling tickets. They advertised in whatever music magazines started selling tech tickets but then the when the event took place people were just coming from all over the place and driving in and they had to park miles away and walk in and it just was it was crazy and there was this town near there Bethel I think is what it was called um, that you know the people there realized that the festival folks needed food so they started getting food together for them and the local hospitals or hospital uh, got medical supplies and there was helicopters going in and out to bring the band members in but they were also bringing in supplies at some point military helicopters came in and you know what it was like at that time uh, you maybe don't it was 1969 the Vietnam War is going on the US military wasn't very popular with the people that were checking out Woodstock wasn't they weren't very popular and the organizers got out and said, hey, cool, man, be cool, man. They're, they're here to help us, man. They're with us for this, this moment, man. They're here. They're bringing medical supplies and doctors, and they're here to help us. So, you know, it was, it was cool. Um, the amount of people that showed up is said to be 400,000 people. And, uh, you know, and despite the song written by Joni Mitchell, who was not a performer... That day, but she, uh, her boyfriend was uh, Graham Nash, I think, at the time. Uh, she was involved with him, and Graham Nash was part of uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and, and Young. And Young did not show up in the film, the Woodstock film. He's on the stage, but he's off in the dark because he didn't want to be part of it. But he's there. So when when you watch the film, just know that Neil Young's back there somewhere. And anyway, so um, 
the 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 CSNY released this Joni Mitchell written song Woodstock, and there's a line in there. By the time we got to Woodstock, we were half a million strong. I think the number is closer to four hundred thousand, but you know, half a million seems it just works better for the song because you know, uh, two fifths of a million strong just doesn't quite resonate. You know, it doesn't sound the meter doesn't seem right. So um, it was huge. It was one of the you know it became one of the larger cities for that weekend in the in upstate New York. It, it was huge, and you know four hundred thousand people there. No violence, as far you know, nothing major. I think some people, some babies were. I think they might have been born babies born. I'm trying to remember, but it just it was it was crazy, but it was cool and it worked. Uh, I have a boss that said he was there. I don't know, but I, I'll take his word for it. So, the meme. Back to the meme. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, it's a picture of him. The, the headline of the meme says, At Woodstock, the coolest event that ever happened. That's debatable. Jimi Hendrix, the coolest guy who ever lived. That's debatable. I mean, he's up there, but... Coolest? Anyway, played the national anthem. Jimi Hendrix played the national anthem in front of 500,000 progressive anti-establishment hippies and not one of them protested. Well, I've already said that, you know, it wasn't 500,000 there. It was more like 400,000, but still, I mean, what's 100,000 between friends? The thing is, by the time Hendrix played, it was Monday morning, most everybody left by then. So he played in front of what they estimated to be about 40,000 people. Now that's still a sizable audience to play in front of. But when you go from 400,000 down to 40,000, 40, that's, that's quite a drop-off. So not, you know, the vast majority of the people who were there did not witness Jimi Hendrix play that song until they saw the movie, and maybe heard about it later, and it, but until they saw the movie, they went, oh man, we left too early. That would have been cool to see. So, but here's the thing. Here's another thing about this meme. My wife pointed this out. I've seen it pointed out by other people on the on the Facebook. I showed this to her, and she said, uh, you know, about the no one protested. Well, you see, what she pointed out was the the play, Hendrix playing the national anthem at that event in itself was a protest. Or at least could be looked at that way. Was that his intent? I don't know what his intent was, but I think it's I. I took it as being kind of a as a bit of a protest. So of course the hippies didn't protest in playing it because it was a protest in itself. You know, conservatives they don't get it. <laughs> uh, where am I at? Oh, I'm up to my next break. Oh boy, I hope I have enough material for the last for the end of the show. Ooh, come on back and see if I do. Ooh, it'll be it'll be interesting. Anyway, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll return. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world?
You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Be Reasonable is the interview show from the Merseyside Skeptic Society, where each month I speak to someone about their fringe beliefs. Over the years, I've spoken to psychics, UFO believers, moon landing deniers, flat earthers, hollow earthers, and all manner of unusual conspiracy theorists. But I've also talked to AIDS denialists, white supremacists, gay conversion therapists. I even interviewed Jim Humble, the inventor of Miracle Mineral Supplement, a form of industrial bleach that he and his followers used to treat cancer and HIV. This isn't a debate show, and my aim isn't to win an argument. But when we listen to how people promote and justify the ideas that we disagree with, even the dangerous ones... I think we become much more effective at countering those ideas. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, look for Be Reasonable on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else the podcasts live. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z Talk Radio. I am living on Channel Z. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Okay, um, you know the who's on first routine? When I say that, do you know that routine? Uh, it's, it, was, it was made famous by the comedy duo of uh, Abbott and Costello. And uh, their career went from, I think, the 30s into the 50s, into the 1950s. And um, yeah, and it's the comedy duo of uh, Abbott and Costello. It's Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. Bud Abbott is the straight man. He's the one that does all the setups to the jokes that that Lou Costello would, you know, would hit out of the park, so to speak. And it, it's it was not a routine that originated with Abbott and Costello. I was looking through the uh, the Wikipedia about it, and it's uh, there's a something in there that says that uh, Abbott's wife had said that uh, he that uh, Abbott had performed that routine with a different comedian before he teamed up with Lou Costello. So, now the nature of the routine is it's uh, wordplay, and it's you know a misunderstanding. The yeah, let's see. You've got. Uh, um, um, I've seen one routine done where where there's 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 Costello. He's got a baseball bat in his hands, and he's he goes up to to Abbott and to say, you know, he's got the baseball, and Abbott says, what what's with the baseball? What do you what's with the, what the bat? What do you what do you what you up to? And he says, oh, I was thinking I'd try out for the local team, and and, and some setup like that, and then 
Bud tells him that the setup of the joke is, or of the routine is, that uh, these days, baseball players have unusual nicknames. You know, on our team, we got who on first, what on second, I don't know on third, and, you know. And this little bit zips past Costello. So he says, you know, well, so, so he says, what's the name of the guy on first? And he says, who? And I said, yeah, that's what I'm asking you. Who's on first? And, and, it's, and he says, right. It's, who? And, you know, who's on first? Right. And he says, well, what's the name of the guy on first? No, what's on second? I don't know. Third base. It goes through that. Now, I didn't quite get everything right, but it's a routine that can go like five minutes. And it's just, it's funny. And, 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 it, and it works. It's frustrating because the thing is about that routine it's like it's like every episode of Three's Company, where if you just stopped and had somebody explain what's going on, the 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 show would end. You know, the 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 comedy from Three's Company was invariably because somebody misunderstood something and and it goes from there, and it's just like stop, say whoa whoa, and say a sentence. Explain it, and it's done. Now, I know. Where's the comedy value in that? I, I don't find it to be the highest value of comedy. But this routine, the interplay, the timing, the, the word usage is, is brilliant, even though it's frustrating. And there is one thing that you can be certain of, that the, the straight man in the routine, Abbott in this case, is either oblivious as he's clueless to the idea that Costello isn't getting it and and he's, he's clueless as to the reason why he's not getting it because Abbott's not taking that moment to say Lou, hang on. The name the name, the nickname of the guy on first base his nickname is who? W-H-O that's his name. That's what we call him. We call him who? And we call the guy in second what? And we call the guy on third I don't know. He doesn't do that. So he's either oblivious or he's an asshole. <laughs> and he's just letting Lou go crazy. But it works. It works. It's funny. It's classic. Uh, I will link to a video of it on the show notes page at dimland.com. Click on the show notes, uh, the blog option, and you'll, you'll see the show notes. And, and you'll be able to check it out. It, it's very funny. Uh, and it's great. But... Um, that's what talking about that is leading me to uh, uh, my pedantic moment uh, for this week. So let me play the little sounder. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, now I know, I know. You guys are going to be rolling your eyes. You know, yeah, don't you get it? It's a comedy routine. Just, it's a comedy routine. But you might understand, once you hear this variant of the who's on first thing, once you hear it, uh, I think you'll understand why it is that it annoys me so much. <laughs> um, I'm going to play about a minute of this routine. This comes from, I'm pretty sure it comes from, the animated series Animaniacs. 
Uh, they had a character on there named uh, Sally Squirrel, and I and she had a nephew, and the two of them are at Woodstock. And uh, a certain band is playing uh, as they as the as the bit opens up. So I'm going to play that. It, it's a little bit less than a minute. Uh, listen, just check it out. Hopefully, this sounds okay for you. either I, uh, oblivious or an asshole this kid's being a shithead <laughs> because the band that's it, it, the name of the band is the who it's not who okay and I, I, that article is needed in the name the who it's and this routine that's done on that. Animaniacs was in the '90s. Was it the '90s that that was on? Um, it, there was a, a comedy group uh, known as the Credibility Gap, and they went from the '60s into the late '70s, like up to '79. And uh, and and there's a routine which I will link to uh, uh, through the show, in the show notes where um, it's their album cut. Of this routine, and it's a, it's a. There's a rock promoter meeting with an an ad executive to uh, set up uh, advertising for this big concert event with three bands playing at this big concert event, or there might be more, whatever. And so the the the. So you might, if you there's a video of it too. Maybe I'll link to both of them, and you might recognize the people in it. Uh, there's Harry Shear. Harry Shearer is probably best known as the bass player from the film This Is Spinal Tap. You, re, you, know, you might recognize him from there. does a bunch of voices on The Simpsons. Uh, he plays the rock promoter. And then the fellow that's the ad executive is played by David L. Lander, which you will probably recognize best as uh, Squiggy from uh, the Laverne and Shirley show. Uh, Michael McKeon was also a part of the uh, credibility gap. He played Lenny. He plays Chuck on Better Call Saul, uh, you know. So, um, it, it's, so they so what the deal is in this rendition of the of the bit is uh, uh, he, you know the rock promoter comes in says we got these three bands I want to go over how we're going to advertise this and so and so uh, the ad exec says okay so who's on first and the promoter says oh well if my if my girl already told you uh, i can just go it says no 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 who's on first 
right. Who's on first? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right's on first? No, 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 that's wrong. That's wrong's on first? No, no. Well, who's on first? Right. And again, <laughs> the name of the band is The Who. And why you would have to say, you'd have, you have to draw, because, I, I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, it's part of the comedy. It's, it's, it's part of what makes it work. Because there's an early version of the Who's On First where it's, um, I think it's called Who Died, D-Y-E-D, and the person's name's last name is Who. And I don't know why it's D-Y-A-E-D, but, you know, there must be some fabric maker or something like that. And so they, they, they make the play on the name Who, but the guy's name is Who. Like in the Who's On First, the name of the first baseman is Who. It's not The Who, it's Who. But the name of the band is The who? <laughs> so you have to drop the article in order to make the joke work. But if you just said, the who goes on first, and if the person's never heard of the who, they'll look at you, the who? Yeah, that's their name, the who. Oh, okay. Guess who's on second, and yes is on third. Okay, but at least on the record version of that bit, at the very end, they acknowledge that they're ripping off an old bit. So, <laughs> back to the Animaniacs. Uh, I did really like the the uh, adjustment of the song that they're singing. It's a takeoff on uh, "See Me, Feel Me," where you know, can you you know, can you smell me? Daltrey sings, "Can you smell me?" When he does it, I don't know if you heard it, but he does a sniff of his armpit, and and I, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but I also thought. If this is, I, the show, it's one of those where, well, we're doing something that will appeal to kids, but also appeal to the adults. I mean, how many kids, young kids, watching Animaniacs would know the band The Who? How many? Some. My son would, but, you know, that's because it's the first song he ever heard. I don't, I don't know. It was by The Who. Uh, no, I don't think so. But anyway, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's definitely for the parents. The parents watching that, oh, you see, it's the band, The Who. It's like, oh, yeah, it's The Who. It's not Who. It's The Who. Now, if you say, my favorite Who song, I, that's acceptable. My favorite Who album, that's acceptable. Don't ask me why. I just think it is. But if you were to ask me, who, which, who's my favorite band, I might say, yes. And they'll say, oh, yes is your favorite band? No. Uh, <laughs> no, it's The Who. I would answer The Who. I wouldn't say who? So it just, you know, to a pedant, that routine just doesn't work. It's, it just does not work. <laughs> it drives me crazy. So, but I mean, you know, what are you gonna do? But uh, and it's weird that I mean, it's because the word "who" is a question. Uh, you, you, there's uh, the other big bands. A couple other bands were kind of big in the '60s: uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. You know, they weren't as good as the Who, but you know, they were kind of big. To say Beatles and Rolling Stones, that that's fine. That works. You don't necessarily need the article "the" in front of it, even though the names of the band of the bands is the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. But if you just say you know, who's playing on Ed Sullivan this week? 
you know, so Beatles are, you know, and I said, what's the name of this band? Beatles. You could say that, although you most people tend to say the Beatles. You know, but if you say, what's your favorite Beatles record? What's your favorite Rolling Stones record? What's your favorite Who record? You know, it that, that works, not having the the on there. Because at that point, you know what you're talking about, right? But, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, it's, it, there are bands where the is not part of their name. Like Paul McCartney, when he went on to form a band after the Beatles, it was just called Wings. It was called Paul McCartney and Wings at some point, but it was, otherwise, it was just Wings. Uh, the band The Ramones could be The Ramones or could just be Ramones. Uh, Pixies, it's just Pixies. Or it could be The Pixies, but, you know, that either would work. But when you're talking about The Who and you ask, what's the name of that band right there playing on that stage right now, what's the name of that band? You do not say who. You say the who. See? See? That's how it works. So, you know, what are you going to do? Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. I know it's an, an eye roller. I know. But it doesn't work. It's The name of the band is The Who. All right, this has been Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. Be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Get your vaccinations, especially flu season coming. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. Check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks, Thanks for tuning us in. My life, you're clever, Dim. It's certainly taken me in. Well, well I'm going, going to hell. To hell.